Hello and welcome to the Disc Dump Podcast. This is the show where we watch movies, play games, or listen to music in an effort to decide, are we going to keep the disc or are we going to dump it? Today I'm joined by my new friend, Zach McCrary from the Comics That We Love podcast. What up, homie? How's it going, man? Glad to be here. Glad to have you, man. This is exciting. We're on a podcast-a-thon right now. We're doing a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah. And uh, this one's not PG-13, so fuck yeah! Yeah, fuck yeah! (laughs) I'm so glad to say fuck! (laughs) Right? (laughs) So, um, today, we are talking about a very special movie to me, and a lot of people are going to be like, what? And that movie is Spawn. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, when 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 you posed the list of possible topics to me, I immediately jumped at that one because it just got put on Netflix like a month or so ago, yeah. and I was like, "Yep, that's the one. Hell that's yeah. what we're doing." <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's I have it on Blu-ray. Do you know how hard it was to find this on Blu-ray? <laughs> oh gosh, you had to have found it on eBay somewhere. I I reckon. I don't even remember where I found it. I just remember finding it and being like, "Oh." It did go to Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> it does exist. It does exist. Yes. Um. So, yeah, this movie, uh, it holds a special place in my heart. But what was your life like when you first discovered this movie, when it entered your realm of existence? I saw it in the theaters opening weekend. What? I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was a I was a spawn kid. Uh, I had, and I was a freshly like minted Spawn kid, and I was a teenager, so I was super judgmental, of course, and 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 uh, you know a bit um, of an uh, what's the word? I was a bit of an elitist as far as that goes. So I, you know, I was reading the Spawn comics, and I'm like, I'm so excited for this movie, and I went and saw it, and I was just so angry about how it turned out. But it's <laughs> funny because. Watching it now, I have a very different take on it than I did as a teenager, like a 15-year-old watching in the theater. I right. have a very different view on it now, which is kind of fun. Okay, uh, well, let's get into it. How did you feel about it then versus now? Uh, it's still not great, but <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate a lot of it more because over the years I have learned more about this movie and how... I mean, how expensive CGI was and what that's why the cape wasn't there the whole time. As a teenager, I was like, fuck this movie. The cape's not there. Why right. is he not wearing the cape at all times? Mm. Now I get it. I still don't like it, but I get why they couldn't throw billions of dollars at a cape. You right, know, exactly. Uh, and little little things like that. When I was when I was a teenager, I was pissed because I thought Danny DeVito was the obvious choice for clown. <laughs> He was. And uh, and I hated John Leguizamo. Now watching it, I was like, John Leguizamo actually kind of nailed it. He steals the show. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, so, like, I wa- so I've seen this movie so many times, I decided to do something I very, very, very rarely do. It might be, like, the third or fourth time in my life I've done this. I watched it with the commentary on. Oh, boy. And the commentary is the director, Mark Dippy, Dip. There's a little weird thing over the E at the end, so I don't know what that means. Dupé. Dupé. Uh, producer Clint Goldman, visual Spaz Williams, and uh, by himself recording in a separate room, Todd McFarlane. <laughs> <laughs> so these, this movie is based on Todd McFarlane comics. And in the 90s, I lived with a stepbrother. What up, Troy? I know you'll never listen to this, but if you do, I'm going to send it to you. Listen to it. Um, so my stepbrother, Troy everything was spawned he had the cutout from the movie like the cover of this movie he had a life-size cutout oh, of it in his room 
he had a pet toad for years. His name was like Ted or something. And when Spawn was coming out, he changed the toad's name to Spawn. He was so <laughs> into Spawn. And of course, when you're like five, you want to be like your older brother. Sure. So like I was like, yeah, Spawn. I wasn't allowed to see it. There. I was too young to see it in the theater. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So like when I watched this movie, I thought of it as like, you know, a uh, okay, well, this is what the cool people like. My brother was cool, you know? Right. So it holds a weird special place in my heart in that regard. However, not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I have a poster of it over on my wall, and it says the special effects, uh, what does it say? It's something like the visual spectacle of the year or something oh, like that. And that hurts to even hear. Because yeah. <laughs> the movie starts with fire tubes made in, like, Microsoft Paint or some oh, shit. Oh, can we talk about how fucking 90s that opening is? For real, With for that real. music, that, like, Chemical Brothers shit, yeah. and, like, <laughs> the fire tubes, and the twitchy lettering. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so 90s. And, like, they that translated to every video game after that oh, of the yeah. Spawn series. You ever play the Spawn games? I played the first Spawn game on the PlayStation, and it was atrocious. I'm in the middle of it right now. Oh, yeah? I just started it over. Oh, bro. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> there might be an episode I do solo about it before this comes out, or maybe even the same week. I have a spawn. Oh, there you spawn go. A spawnathon. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think, I forget what it's called, Spawn Eternal or something like that. And this yeah. movie 100% influenced that game. Oh, yes. So, like, the, well, we'll get into it when we talk about the cape. Okay. So, the movie opens with an assassination of a Middle Eastern warlord of some kind yeah. right mm-hmm. and uh then we go into uh hell which is a fire tube where we we get <laughs> to hear like uh i think it's marilyn manson at the opening credits or yeah, something. i believe so yeah yeah and um so i'm listening to this commentary and the director mark dip says uh i'm the director mark dip and uh you can blame all this on me <laughs> that's the best <laughs> opening ever it's amazing um so we have the assassination, but the soundtrack of overall of this is pretty dope. Like, yeah, you get the uh, "Can't You Trip Like I Do." I forget the name of the band. Filter, filter. Yeah, we got all that good shit on there. Yeah, Butthole Surfers had a really good song on that soundtrack. I think it was called "Red Rubber Band." Uh, it's mm-hmm. a good track. Yeah, like the the soundtrack is perhaps the best part of this movie. <laughs> uh, and I noticed that Greg Nicotero did the practical on it. Oh, no way. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess when you see the violator, like moving his slimy head around, that must've been Greg Nicotero. I don't know. But, um, so then we go to the AG six headquarters where Martin Sheen is, uh, talking to, uh, you know, the, the evil clown guy and making deals with the devil. Yeah. Um, evil jason win evil jason win and uh so apparently martin sheen was like i don't want to do this fucking movie oh really yeah he was like i don't want to do this shit and he was like reading the script and his grandkids came in the room and his grandkids were like spawn is the coolest thing right now Mm. spawn is so cool you gotta do spawn so he was like all right my grandkids convinced me which is crazy because he looks like he's like 35 and he has grandkids at that point apparently Man, famous people age different. <laughs> At that point, his children were fully f- full fledged adults because Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez, yeah. and they were they're like in their thirties. That dude's probably in his fifties and looks thirty. Is he still alive? Yeah, yeah. He's, I just haven't seen him in anything since he was like the president or whatever in, in that. West Wing. Yeah. yeah, he. I mean, he pops up here and there, but it's never anything 
huge anymore. Yeah. I, he is old as dirt at this point. And he's rich as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't work either if I was him. Nope. I don't want to memorize in a damn lines talking to a clown. <laughs> um, so uh, the director said every time you see John Linguizamo, he's squatting. And some of these, like, some of these shots take a while, but, like, just getting the shots, he's squatting for such a long period of time that oh they gosh. said sometimes he would just collapse, like, wow. during takes because he just couldn't hold himself up in a squat anymore because he was supposed to be between four and five feet tall. Mm-hmm. And uh, he kills it. He's fucking awesome. I think he's amazing actor in general. And he delved so hard into this role. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, he's one of my favorite characters, as you can see here. I 3D printed my own little clown statue. Love this one's it. for me, so I'm not going to sell it. But if <laughs> anyone wants a clown statue, hit me up. Yeah, Lake Wazamo, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for being as good as he is. Because he's mm-hmm. a good, He you know, he got to start with comedy. He's good. He's a, you know He's a funny actor, but... I've seen him in so many serious roles where he just knocks it out of the park. You know, he's he's a solid performer. He and this is kind of like riding the line between ridiculous slapstick and serious. You know what I mean? And I think he does a knock, you know, knock down, bang out job. Yeah, like considering he's a complete cartoon character, he mm-hmm. can like shake his face and it like knocks off makeup and he like farts green smoke and shit. <laughs> like, like it's uh, it's hard to take his character seriously. But at the same time, he's, like, such a compelling bad guy. Like, you Mm -hmm. hate him so much. Yeah, there's nothing redeemable about him. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, so Linguizamo steals the show for me. And he he makes some sacrifices for this movie, which we'll get into. Uh, The best friend is white. Apparently, that was, like, a big decision the studio made, like... Maybe it's just best. It, oh, it's snowing. Sorry, I got distracted. I have ADD. Oh yeah, uh, I just I just got a warning that snow squalls are hitting. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the the studio they meddled in this movie so much. I had no idea because they wanted it to be PG thirteen. So there's of two course. distinct cuts of this. I don't know which one you saw on Netflix, mm. but I'm hoping the R rated one. I'll bring up things that, like, they were like, we couldn't do this in the PG-13. There was a lot of it. Um, So the Best Friends White studio was like, let's let's put a white guy in there. And everyone was completely okay with it because it's a big part of this being a superhero is that he's a black man. Yeah. You know, like, they, not a lot of black superheroes in the 90s. Yeah, especially that era of, yeah. Yeah. So, like, the the breaking down race barriers, this movie's groundbreaking. I tell (laughs) you. This movie's the driving Miss Daisy of superhero flicks. Oh, God. You heard it here first. (laughs) Blade who? (laughs) Um, So then we get introduced to Priest, who is the strong female antagonist. And apparently there's just like, there's obviously a ton of strong female characters in comic books. And they're like, we can't just like cherry pick one from Spawn and put him in here. So Priest is supposed to be an amalgamation of, like, all of them. Right. Which, uh, can I throw out a fun fact about I, I'd Priest? I'd love to hear it. Um, so they, they actually they – ha- they, they couldn't – so the character who actually kills Spawn is Chapel, mm-hmm. who was part of, I believe, Youngblood. And uh, they couldn't use Chapel in the movie because the rights to Chapel are owned by Rob Liefeld because that was a Rob Liefeld joint. Mm. And so – they instead just put Priest into the role of the person who actually kills Al Simmons and is like the secondary bad yeah. you know, under Jason Wynn. Right. 
And uh, apparently at this point when the movie came out, she was not a character in the comics at all. Right. Like they just designed her and now she's a character Mm -hmm. in the comics. They pulled a Harley Quinn. They did. And they like they talk about how she her character was a added to the comics. But on top of that, she was supposed to come back at the end of the story and be Mm -hmm. like another big bad. But they could not they didn't have the time or funding to do it. <clears throat> so throughout this movie, if you're really paying a close eye, they like kind of set her up to be like a minion of hell, but then they like realize they couldn't afford more hell mm-hmm. sequences. So then they kind of set her up to be like a minion, like brought back by technology. And then they, that didn't work out either. <laughs> <laughs> so like, there's just a bunch of weird stuff that goes on. Now with she's her. just a minion. <laughs> now she's just a minion who goes to kick a guy in the crotch and it doesn't work out. <laughs> and she gets shot off a balcony. <laughs> exactly. That's all you get. Um, so then we're in, uh, so Jason Wynn wants, uh, Al Simmons, who is Spawn, to go into this Korean facility and break a bunch of necks and kill somebody important. And in the 90s, neck breaks were like the most important thing you could put into a kung fu movie everybody's neck is breaking all the time and apparently the studio was like no neck breaks and they're like what so in the version that you watched was there a point where he like fought this asian dude and then grabbed him by the head and put his head over his shoulder and snapped his neck there was zero fighting in that entire sequence oh it, you he saw just, the pg-13 apparently version. so he just drops in and then when he goes inside, he sees some explosive and he's like, what's going on here? And then Wynn shows up and, you know, reveals the plot. Yeah. So, okay. We watched different versions. I'm on the director's oh, man. cut. Tell me so, more. <laughs> yeah. Like there was a lot of Kung Fu in it that the whole time that we I was watching it, they were like, yeah, the studio wouldn't let us do this. Studio wouldn't let us do that. And one of it, like he like shoots a bunch of people and then he has, gets into a Kung Fu fight and he snaps a dude's neck and then he comes upon this bomb situation. Oh. oh, so you mean your version of the movie actually shows you that Al Simmons is good at what he does. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like besides being able to like point and click with a mouse and be like rockets go here and kill people. He actually has skills. Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean he, he can do he can do things. <laughs> right. And like the version that you saw, he can't hit a barn post with his fucking guns. Nope. Like he misses everything. And the version I watched, he's like a sharpshooter. He's blowing people's heads off and shit. Damn it. Now. I have to watch that version. Yeah, you do. If I decide to dump it, you get to have it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, then he gets betrayed by Jason Wynn. And uh, Todd McFarlane came in and was like, his name is Wynn because he wins. Aren't I clever, essentially? Good old Todd. Yeah, so good old Todd. He's so awkward. It's a little bit awkward. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's so awkward. Did you watch the uh, the cartoon series on HBO? Oh, I was obsessed with it. Yeah. yeah. How he starts every he's episode. St- he's like the crypt keeper of that cartoon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, so it is, it's so awkward. It's always him drawing at a table and then slowly turning around. Hi, I'm Todd McFarlane, <laughs> the creator of Spawn. <laughs> yeah, he's just like... Darkness sometimes comes in many forms. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me say something really deep and meaningful yeah, before I, you watch this cartoon. I'm so ominous in my leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't make nerds intimidating. You can't. There's a reason we podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, he he. Oh my god. So he actually has a cameo in this movie too. Um, but yeah, so he gets betrayed by Jason Wynn, and he gets lit on fire. 
Um, and then there's a really long drawn out scene of him being on fire that apparently isn't in the PG 13 mm. version. Like you can see the flames on his face and his skin's bubbling and oh, shit. Man. Like they put, they said like some of these scenes took like eight months to animate. Oh my gosh. So they worked on this movie from 1993 to 1997. Oh shit. Yeah. Like all the CGI was like, I couldn't do CGI of this quality with my phone. Like, and they had it. <laughs> They figured this out in the 90s. You're like, you remember what computers were like in the 90s? <laughs> it was real bad. It was the dark age. Exactly. Like but the, we thought it was the future. This is the special effects movie of the year or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and now it looks like a bad Commodore 64 game. It does. All the, all the CGI. Yeah. So uh, speaking of that scene where they light him on fire, just to, t- to point out the PG-13 version, it seemed so unnecessary to light him on fire in that scene because the fact that they already shot him a whole bunch he's on the ground bleeding out you know well, mm. you assume and they're gonna blow the place up anyway so in so the version i watched yeah in, in the version i watched they literally light him on fire and then walk outside and blow the place up and i was like so you lit him on fire so that you could light him on fire right <laughs> <laughs> Like, what was the point? <laughs> it's exactly what happens, though. And, like, he's, he, like, stands there and the T-Po is just screaming, while he's on fire. <laughs> but it makes so much more sense in your version because it's like they wanted to watch him suffer a little bit, you know, and that yeah. leads to some of the trauma that takes him to hell and whatnot. That all makes so much more sense. And Jason Wynn didn't have to do it himself. Like, he was just like, you want to quit on me, do you? I'll fly to Korea to light you on fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, how did he get in there? I'm sorry, but, like, tiny, fat, old Martin Sheen isn't sneaking Black Ops style into North Korea. That's exactly. Not like, and he, like, doesn't he, like, repel from the ceiling or some shit? Like, he just appears? Oh, in, in the one that I, in the version I saw, anyway, he just kind of, like, he just steps around. Yeah, he just kind of walks down some steps and just kind of tumbles. Didn't expect me. I'm Martin Sheen. Yeah, <laughs> here I am. I'm smoking again. <laughs> Didn't smell my cigar, did you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we uh, then uh, Al Simmons goes to hell. Right. That's pretty much what happens next. Yep, fire tube. Down the fire tube. Wanda. And, and he lands in front of Malbrosia. Malbosia. Malbosia. Yeah. So what they said was this didn't translate at all, and the audience didn't notice or 100% notice that it didn't translate. Mm. The reason his mouth doesn't move is because hell itself is talking to Spawn. Mm. So he's like – there are points where he like roars and stuff. Yeah. But like he's just this big hairy demon monster. I have an action figure in behind me actually in this cupboard. Uh, but like he like – his tongue just wags around mm-hmm. and you can hear him talking and the reason is that he's like so powerful that just the environment communicates. Yeah, that definitely doesn't translate in the film because you see him moving like the giant open jaw moves a little bit mm-hmm. and it's just like, ooh, this is just really poorly animated trying to make this thing talk. Right. <laughs> and then you see like armies of spawn that are literally just like they have five of them and then they just <laughs> copied and pasted them a hundred <laughs> times. It's, it's like it's like the audience in a wrestling game. Right, exactly. It's 100% what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, uh, it's so... The CGI, by today's standards, is so fucking bad. It's a hot garbage. But uh, it was the visual spectacle of 1998, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> uh, 
that's what my description of the episode is going to be. I'm going to introduce you in the description, and I'm just going to be like, this was the visual spectacle <laughs> of 1998. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, apparently most of the violence in this movie, the studio was like, no, we want 12-year-olds to watch this. So, like, I just don't get it. Like, apparently that is still to this day majority of movie-going audience is 13 and younger. Yeah. And that majorly influences production. Mm -hmm. And it sucks because quality doesn't come for them. They don't understand quality. You can, like, they're not the audience that deserves it. That's why it was such a huge snafu when Deadpool was a r-rated comic book film mm-hmm. and then logan was an r-rated comic because it was just an unheard of thing to mm-hmm. take half your audience out exactly like it hasn't been done since dark man when leo neeson's running around killing people oh, and shit man. i just watched dark man like three weeks ago yeah yeah it was perfect it was time a great movie i haven't watched it in many years but yeah so this was not designed to be an r-rated fucking movie spawn um then they uh, cut to the rooftop. Is that where he lands when he comes back to the city? I didn't take notes on the movie. I took notes yes. on the commentary. Yeah, he lands on the rooftop of that like kind of quasi-church-looking building. So there's a lot of set design stuff I learned about this. So mm-hmm. he lands on the top of this abandoned church. Yeah. That was one of two sets they built from scratch. So the rooftop was a set, and the alley below was a set. Mm. But everything else they, like filmed in like big buildings and on streets and stuff so but they built it in a set and apparently this the like the studio they were working in was so small because of their budget that they had to go up on the roof and dismantle the roof of the building to have like the spires and stuff oh my god tall enough to be believable so that was kind of cool. They had a $40 million budget for this movie. Which is like nothing. Which is nothing now, yeah. But back then it was huge, apparently. And uh, How the- else are you going to get the spectacle of 1998? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the director kept saying, this was our first movie, this was our first movie. So, like, studios gave this massive... Co- like, comic book movies have always been massively grossing. Like, even if they are flops, they still make a shitload of money. Yeah. So the studio trusted these people who've never made a movie... With $40 million and one of the biggest comic book properties possible. Yeah, especially in that time frame. Spawn was on the cusp of being in the social zeitgeist, like, a known entity. Exactly. I I honestly feel like this movie kind of stopped that momentum. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, these guys just kept saying, like, I can't believe they let us do this. So they, they, and they did pretty good with the amount of money they have. Like, CGI was so expensive back then. So being able to pay John Linguizamo and Michael Jai White wasn't really a big get at the time. He was a, he was a fresh face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, being able to pay actors not as much. Like, the most expensive actor was the guy who, like, trains Spawn. But we'll, we'll get to him in a little bit. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they, uh, the, so building the set was very expensive. So they only could really afford to build two sets. And mo- some of the sets are just paintings, apparently. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, like, later on when they come out of the alley, they, like, just set up a bunch of things in front of a painting to give it, like, a 3D look. But, like, most of the city is a painting. Wow. It's pretty cool. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so what happens from there when he's on the rooftop, he comes down, he meets a kid or something, right? Oh, yeah. Hey, mister, you thirsty? Hey, mister, you don't look so good. Yes, exactly. 
bad crispy bad crispy <laughs> yeah uh so he meets this kid that he finds some kind of weird emotional connection to uh, so spawn walks down this spiral staircase and it's like the, you get this like big wide shot of this like cathedral and fucking all this weird architecture and then he's in this alley like it it visually makes zero sense whatsoever and yeah. apparently they couldn't get Michael Jai White that day, so they just, like, put production people in makeup <laughs> and had them walk down this thing, and it was all on a green screen. The only thing that was actually there was this weird spiral staircase. Oh, so wow. most of this scene is not Michael Jai White. Huh. Yep. Um, so he meets this kid. Kid's got an abusive dad, whatever, whatever. Not particularly important. When does he meet the clown? That comes pretty much right Well, away, the right? abusive dad part I don't think happens in that sequence. I think he meets the clown once he's down talking to the kid for a bit. Right. Um, so, let me see here. Where I'm looking at my notes. I didn't take notes on the movie. That was a mistake. But I didn't want to just sit there and write the whole time. <laughs> uh, rooftop and alley. Roof is actually... They had to take the roof off the building. Al- okay, so the reason that they picked that alley is the alley represents the perfect halfway point between earth and hell. So everyone who's in that alley belongs in hell. Oh. So because like that's like the the epicenter of darkness for mm. earth. So it's like almost almost limbo, like exactly. the, the in between. Exactly, which in the like the HBO com or the HBO show he hangs out there for a really long time. Yeah. Like, there's all kinds of people who are like, Spawn, help! And he's just like, no! <laughs> I like my trash kingdom. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> trash kingdom. Yeah, that's essentially what's going on. So, apparently, that's the reason for the alley. But the movie didn't invest nearly as much energy into the alley as Mm-mm. it really deserved. Because he, like, just everything... Like, the alley is the main setting for the entire first season of the comic book yeah like he doesn't really leave the alley at all so like the symbolism wasn't lost on them but the studio really pushed like they're like we must have a linear story yeah and uh, apparently like to this day todd mcfarlane hasn't made the official making the deal with malbrosia 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 (laughs) it's so hard to say that name for some reason it's so apparently we still don't know 100% in the comic book lore what conversation happened between the two of them. Interesting. Yes. This, I didn't realize that. This comic came out in, I think, 1992. Yeah. So, one like, of the OG uh, image comics. Exactly. So like the fact that they still haven't covered that 30 years later is the, the studio meddled. Is, mm-hmm. is really a hundred percent what this all of this is about is like studio fuck you <laughs> <laughs> i kind of like that that we don't know the finer points of the deal exactly struck yeah and uh todd mcfarlane is pissed about this movie he said that jason Wynn has this really in-depth backstory that makes him not twirly mustache evil which he totally is in the movie yeah and which he totally is in the movie and he's like we should hear about the fact he's on his third marriage, that he has three kids who hate him. We should know all of that through this movie. But instead, we just get that he's a bad guy who wants to take over the world. Mm-hmm. So, like, and the, the commentary was recorded in, like, 2000. So it's still 22-year-old commentary. But yeah. I think that's actually better because we get the, like, 
know closer to the time because this movie came out in 98 right mm, i think so yeah this visual spectacle it was the visual spectacle <laughs> of 90 97 i'm 97. sorry yes so can i throw something out about todd mcfarland i'd love to so hear it if you if you haven't heard about it he has been trying to get a new spawn movie made for the last i'd say five six years mm-hmm. but he specifically he wrote a script he wants to direct it he like basically he wants to be at the helm of this he doesn't want it to get fucked up again is exactly. what it really comes down to right and so i he's I, I think that it's kind of been in developmental hell because he can't find exactly what he wants like people who are willing to give him exactly what he wants but what's interesting is what he wants to do with it now is use Spawn almost like Jaws, where he's kind of it's almost like a quasi horror film where Spawn is lurking right. throughout the whole thing, and you you only see him here and there, you know, kind of thing. It sounds kind of interesting to me. Yeah, he wants it to be a psychological thriller. Yeah, and he said that the closest thing to what he wants is the fan film that got made on YouTube. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Yeah, there's like a fan film about like a little girl in a grocery store. That, like, she connects with Spawn, who's, like, in this alternate dimension. And hmm. then, like, I don't know if she... I for, It's been a couple years since I watched it, but I feel like a pedophile kind of comes into play. Oh, and, like, kidnaps her. And then Spawn comes out of the darkness and, like, saves her. So it's like he's, like, this omniscient, like, savior kind of thing. Right. Because if he said that if I make this a superhero movie... They will not let me direct it. They will want somebody of prominence yeah. to direct it. And I'm not doing that, which is like I, I follow him on like all the social media. So mm-hmm. I was like following him being like, I'm almost done with the script. And it's been since like 2015 yeah. that it's been done. And uh, he's just refuses to let anybody else take creative control of it because this movie uh, sucks a huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> so. he's, uh, he's not thrilled that his his life's work, his ultimate creation got that exactly and he was saying that his legacy like in the eyes of comics before spawn and pretty much since spawn was that he worked on the hulk and spider-man helped create venom venom and doctor strange like he said like art is why he's famous Mm -hmm. and then spawn like put him into the the cultural zeitgeist Mm -hmm. but the only reason he even had a shot at spawn was because of his work as an artist. Sure. His, yeah, his art's phenomenal. His art is phenomenal. It's a distinct, pointy, textured <laughs> style. Yes. <laughs> Everything's pointy. And yeah. the he, shoulder pads. Oh, oh yeah. he and Rob, he and Rob Liefeld basically created the style that was 90s art in comics. Right. The right. pouches, the pointiness, the, the shoulder pads. One time I watched uh, Todd McFarlane was having a draw off with somebody and the judge was Stanley and they were both drawing these big elaborate shoulder pads. He's like, how long does it take these superheroes to put on their outfits? (laughs) Why do they got to have such big old shoulder pads? And Todd McFarlane was just like sweating and drawing. He was like, because they need protection. Like he didn't know what to say to him. Stanley's sitting there talking shit. <laughs> yes, Stanley is giving you shit about your art in front of a crowd. <laughs> yeah, like, it's so funny. That's you can hilarious. find that shit on YouTube. It's so funny. Um so anyway, Spawn meets the clown. The clown is like, hey, do you remember when you made a deal with the devil? And Spawn's like, no. So uh essentially clown is like this is how you're gonna be our general and spawns like nah but uh before we really progress we're gonna take a brief break 
And we'll be right back with a, uh, a beloved segment. And it's going to be flipped on its heels. It's going to be exciting. But we'll be right back. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Disc Dump Podcast, where I talk to my boy Zach about the movie Spawn. Check out his show, The Comics That We Love, for a full... Oh my god, he goes so in-depth on comics, it's fantastic. I'm on an episode of it, it's a good time. We talk about Robin. Who doesn't love Robin? It's fantastic. So check out The Comics That We Love. Sorry this episode is super-duper-duper-duper late. Uh, there was a, a loss in my family. It's been rough, but um, it's uh, yeah, we're uh, we're pulling through. So I'm getting back into publishing some episodes. This one and the next one's probably going to come out pretty quick too. And hopefully, I will maintain that uh, that structure again. Get back to releasing episodes all the time. So yeah, stay tuned for that. But until then, let's get back to hearing about Spawn. Welcome back, audience. Uh, we've had a very exciting break time talking about comics and looking at action figures and shit. I peed. And he peed. <laughs> <laughs> it was exciting. Um, so we are about to return with a beloved segment called Terrible Drink. So the premise of Terrible Drink, if you don't know, is that when I was young, my mom would shop at these discount grocery stores <laughs> where it's like, well, this is probably the last time you're going to see this. So she would buy an entire case of something. Oh. And we didn't throw food away. So it would be like, could be good, could be bad. Never saw it before, never going to see it again. <laughs> so uh, we would end up with these crazy drinks. Like one of the things I'm thinking, like the first one that pops to mind is Wild Thing Energy Drink, which is energy drink specifically designed for your libido oh my, my god didn't know this when she <laughs> bought it and she's got her kids drinking libido juice yeah libido <laughs> juice and like we went on the website and they have like wild thing girls that would like go to bars and shit and like hand out wild thing drinks oh my god and uh so like it was shit like that energy drinks and sometimes we just would end up with like cans of things that have no english writing on them at all <laughs> like it was always these crazy drinks so i would have friends over and it'd be like can i get a drink and i'd be like uh how's the terrible drink sound they're like terrible why would i want that and i'm like i'll give you a water if you also drink this drink because i just <laughs> needed to get them out of my house we didn't throw things away so sometimes they were terrible and sometimes they weren't so the whole thing is terrible or not terrible usually i have something to offer but my last terrible drink expired one year ago today. <laughs> but it was still here. So you've held on to that we don't throw things away thing. I did, yep. I poured it out actually just before you got here. It was watermelon sunny delight. Hmm. But I didn't want to feed you something that could kill you. So I dumped it out. But watermelon sunny delight. Doubt they even make it anymore. I took a little sip of it. Not good. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but you brought a terrible drink today. I did because you told me that yours was expired and I didn't want to miss out on that. So when I stopped off, I picked something up that sounded awful to me. And Which I hope is. that you've never done it on the show before. But Is that Fago? 
It is not. I was looking for Fago, but they didn't have it. This is a Sheets product. It is Sheets Pop cotton candy flavored soda. Holy shit. And you know what's crazy? This isn't the first cotton candy soda we've done on Oh, really? But it's the first one that's Sheets brand. (laughs) Yeah, it's a gas station brand cotton candy soda. So I'm looking at this, and the O in Pop is an open mouth of the tongue sticking out. So it's horny. This is a horny soda. So horny. There's cotton candy stands on the label is that what those are yeah looks it we got pictures of cotton candy and then we got blue circles and the drink is so blue it's so blue it's so fake blue it's so blue tell me about like the ingredients and stuff oh boy let's let's take a look at this garbage all right so we got carbonated water surprise surprise high fructose corn syrup number two (laughs) We got uh, natural and artificial flavors. So this is a health food. <laughs> and uh, citric acid, sodium benzoate, and uh, potassium sorbate preservatives. Blue number one, which I'm sure is really good for us. It's the most blue. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it doesn't get more blue. It's, this is number one, number baby. One. <laughs> number one in your minds, number one in your hearts. And that's it. That's so, it. So it's just a bunch of shit (laughs) just a bunch of chemicals that made it taste like cotton candy so the the least prevalent thing in it is blue but it's so blue (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) oh my god that's why they had to go with blue number one because they needed the most blue most blue yeah why don't you crack it open and uh we're gonna pour it in some cups and give it a whiff let's do this carbonated okay yep yep Okay, it's got bubbles. It's got it's a got, lot of bubbles. Are these are these are our Those glasses. Are our glasses. Okay. Yep. The key to taste testing is you need a glass with a wider top than a bottom, which is the whole reason I own these glasses. That's a thing. It is a you thing. You want more? Oh, it'll be plenty. Thank okay. you. Okay. It it may be I'll want more, but oh my god, there's so much juice. There's <laughs> like, so much. You hardly put any in this. <laughs> All right. What's okay. it smell like? Besides incense, I'm burning incense. Oh yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> Smells like sugar. Yeah, basically just sugar. All right. Let's do it. All right. Cheers. Oh, it actually has a cotton candy flavor. It legitimately tastes like cotton candy. I didn't expect that. I didn't either. That's wild. Last one we had tasted like Garana because it was an energy drink. Cotton well, candy do energy it. drink. Was it a bang? <laughs> no, it was Bob Ross brand. What? Bob Ross brand cotton candy energy drink. Like the painter? Yep. It has nothing like Bob Ross would spin over in his fucking grave oh, if he yeah. knew they were making energy drinks. Have you seen that documentary about him and how no. the people that like like fucked him over? And, oh man, what's it on? Is it on Amazon? Or? Uh, I want to say it's on Netflix. Okay, but it's about the people that he teamed with to make that show and how they kind of fucked his lineage in a lot oh, of ways. No, it's real sad. Yeah, well, this isn't that, but I definitely <laughs> want to see that. But yeah, this is uh, if you're in the mood for something so sweet that it'll make your shit blue this is probably it yeah this is liquid diabetes <laughs> like this isn't bad having a taste of this but i don't think i could handle that whole bottle no but uh i probably am gonna put some vodka in that if you don't take it away oh shit <laughs> yeah. that is a great i can we just try that on the show <laughs> we can try that right now if you <laughs> let's, want let's fuck it yeah, yeah let's, let's do, do that it. all right hold on uh we'll be right back audience we're back audience and i've brought some vodka down we got two choices we got Smirnoff in the plastic bottle, <laughs> or we got Heisenberg, the one who knocks 
blue ice vodka which is we're gonna crack it if we're gonna do it so this is the the last of the uh limited edition breaking bad vodkas what are you feeling i'm gonna be honest i i really want to try the heisenberg but i can't in good in good like faith i can't in like i feel like it would be disrespectful to that vodka to put cotton candy <laughs> soda in it so let's just do shitty smirnoff like b- plastic bottle stuff that let's sounds go good with that. that sounds good to me grab yourself one We'll get wild with it. Let's do so, this. So before we taint it, terrible or not terrible? Not terrible. Not terrible at all. No. Yeah. It's, this is the second blue soda in a row, though. <laughs> and the uh, the other one was Sour Patch Kids soda. Oh, yeah. I saw the picture. Yeah. It was uh, – I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't listened, but there have been worse sodas. There have been better sodas. I hope it's good with vodka. It'll be worse with vodka. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, there, I've seen cotton candy vodkas, so why, why not? not? Yeah. I don't bother smelling it. It just smells like vodka. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Salud. Kind of leveled it out a bit. It did. Yeah. That's dangerous. It is. It tastes like Blue Wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good mix. Mm-hmm. I have to remember that. Would you like some ice before we move on, or are you good? Yeah, I'm All good. Right. Cool. So there it is, folks. Terrible drink segment. Not terrible. Better with vodka. <laughs> Better with vodka. <laughs> I feel like that would be a, a good new rating on this. We've, <laughs> we've broken ground. Better with vodka is the third <laughs> rating. I'm glad I could be here to help forge that frontier with you. <laughs> yes, thank you for coming on and bringing your, pop, your sheets pop cotton, cotton candy, candy. <laughs> with blue one, the most blue. The most blue. Hell yeah. So we're talking about the movie Spawn. Um, I don't remember where we are in the plot, but let's be real. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> this, this movie takes so long to get through the origin story and then just fucking blasts off through the final climax. Yeah, act three is real short. Yeah. Real short. Um, so there's a point where he's like, he's trying to like figure out what's going on with his family. And uh, he goes to his family's house. He realizes his best friend is fucking his wife, and they have a kid together. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's been working out. And what uh, Todd McFarlane said was that this subconsciously was that uh, they were trying to have a kid, and they couldn't. And yeah. uh, Al Simmons is realizing he was the reason they couldn't because they had planned him being the general of the army of hell this whole time so much so that they didn't want him to have any love. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't generate children yeah that was a i believe that was a bigger part in the comics that that actually kind of all mm-hmm. comes out at some point or another yes so uh he goes to his family he sees all this horrible shit and you see him smile for the only time he smiles in this movie when his dog recognizes him. yeah his dog spaz na- named spaz very similar to the visual effects artist spaz williams and they gave him <laughs> so much shit they're like you know, Spaz is just the perfect dog name. Like I can I can't imagine anybody being named Spaz unless they were a dog. It's just the perfect thing to name a dog because they're wily and they're crazy and they just are just annoying and all over the place. And what do you think, Mr. Williams? Like, yeah. <laughs> 
What do you think? Aren't dogs subservient and stupid yeah. and will do what I fucking tell them to do? And he was just like, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so that's the only time you see Spawn smile in the whole movie is when the dog comes. Huh. And, of course, the fucking clown is there mm. entertaining the kids. And they took out so many raunchy, nasty lines that he says to these kids. Oh, no. Like, there's a point where he's, like, blowing up balloons and letting them go. And he was like, I got more tricks than your local hooker and shit like that. <laughs> and they took him out for the PG-13 version. Damn it. I know. So it's crazy that you watch the PG-13 version on Netflix. You'd think Netflix would, like, throw their hands up and be like, whatever happens, happens. Right. Yeah. They, they do that with a lot of shit. I have three drinks in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> At least only two of them are alcoholic. Right. <laughs> I have so much ADD today, it's not even funny. I'm watching, like, snow behind your head, and then we got booze, and we got all kinds of shit going on. So many things. So many things. Um, there's a point now where we... we uh, oh, the clown goes up, and, like, everyone's screaming. They're like, oh, no, this guy with all these burns is coming into the children's party. And the clown comes up, and he goes, oh, he's my friend. We call him Crispy. Bad Crispy. Bad. I feel like that's the funniest part of this whole movie. That's pretty fun. <laughs> and then there's the creepiest line of the movie where he's like, oh, what a cute little girl. And, you know, it mm -hmm. just kind of gets kind of creepy. And he's like, oh, you're right. No pets allowed. <laughs> And he, like, he hands her a little doll with the clown head on it, and he pulls the string, and it burps, and its head spins. <laughs> I want one of those. I would buy it. Yeah, especially if it shoots green powder out or something. <laughs> uh, then we go t back to Wynn, who is uh, explaining to the audience his plan for world domination. Because he's pure evil. Because he's pure evil. How often does one who is planning world domination just sit back and be like, come minions, let me lay out the whole plan from beginning to end for you. I will make the argument that someone that is doing that is so ego-driven that they have to keep doing they that. They just have to keep telling they can't everybody. help themselves. Go to the grocery store. Did I tell you about how I'm going to put a bomb in my heart? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, they're so, they so ego-driven that it's important that people know how great they are. It's like Dr. Doom. And his, like, his PowerPoint presentation of it is on a mini-CD. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s. Oh, yes. They never really took off, did they? The nope. mini-CD. Um, so apparently to keep the dog entertained for the whole thing and get the dog to do what they wanted to do, they had to have a, a literal tennis ball. Like whoever he was supposed to be looking at would yeah. also be holding a tennis ball <laughs> and they had to like cut it out. And the fact that it was green made it easier, but they said this dog was so hard to work with <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy. Cause you can see people like walking up with German shepherds that they can make them do circles and like yeah. sit between my legs and shit. But the, the German Shepherds aren't the ones that everyone works with, apparently. Nope. Well, tiny dogs are spazzes. Tiny dogs are spazzes. I exactly. didn't even try that. That, yeah. was, that, was, that was an accident. <laughs> but it's true. That's so funny. Um, yeah, so that's when the uh, – so then we're going to – did we get to the point where he gets his armor yet? Yes. Okay. Right. So the clown takes him to get his armor. He goes to his old grave site, and um, the uh, – Oh, apparently there's a bunch of references to It's a Wonderful Life when he's trying to find his, his grave. Yeah. I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life, but the guy was saying that, like, the undertones of It's a Wonderful Life is that the main character is a Satanist. And he said it's a commonly known thing in the industry. That Shit. It was, like, a secret that you really have to decode. I didn't know that part of it. I, I know that I know the general. Do you know the general plot of It's a Wonderful Life? No. Uh -uh. So the, 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 this dude 
is kind of, uh, he hates his life and decides to commit suicide and an angel comes to him and shows him what life would be like if he wasn't there for all the people that he loves and cares about. And that, you know, in the end, of course, makes him want to live and uh. still be present for everyone. Yeah. Apparently, in the industry, according to this guy, it's like the one of the heights of filmmaking is being able to disguise that he's a Satanist, but also make it possible for people to be able to see it. Like, that's apparently like the highest accolade, huh. one of the higher accolades of like secret messaging. Sure. In now, I want to watch it just to see if I can notice I it. I do now. too now. I want to be like, hmm, where does Satan play into yeah. this? <laughs> so I don't know, but that's pretty wild. So he said that that's why they put all these references to it's a wonderful life in this scene was huh. because they wanted to be like, Hey, did you know this movie is about Satanism? So, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, I literally was sitting there like, Holy fuck. And you were texting me and I was like, I can't tell him Holy fuck right now, <laughs> but Holy fuck. <laughs> so, um, then we, they, uh, he picks up his like locket and it like becomes part of him and he earns his armor and it like takes over his body and then it untakes over his body. And that's when they establish his armor is parasitic. It is a necrovirus. It is not a symbiote, guys. Nope. It's not. It is a parasite. And it took them four months to animate the armor overcoming his body oh and taking down. God. Four months. Four months. This is the visual spectacle of 1997. 1997. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I can't imagine, like, he said that the hardest part was that he was wearing, like, a button-up shirt that was unbuttoned. So it was kind of dangly. So he had to, like, make it so that the shirt would, like, come tight up against his body before the armor went over it. Hmm. Or the armor had to, like, reach out and grab it and pull it against his body. And he said that was, like by far the hardest thing because you can't just take something away but then once you move it cgi something needs to take its place right so like he was like it was so fucking hard <laughs> to make yeah, this armor I mean, thing happen cgi has come so far i honestly think that if that movie was made today it would still not be good <laughs> like if it was if the if the story and everything happened the same but the cgi was today's cgi it would look way better it would be a better movie yeah it like significantly so but the fact that it just went the way that it went like i i could not make a better movie if i tried like i really couldn't i'm i'm no director writer whatever maybe a little bit of a writer but like i couldn't do the visual effects better and it's no. 2022 right now <laughs> so yeah yeah if you don't have a major motion picture like company behind you mm. you're not making that kind of cgi exactly and they only had 40 million dollars and that shit was expensive back yeah. then so uh they paid the the actor's dog shit is how they they worked <laughs> that on out great yeah um so then the uh they transition to them going to an alleyway and they said that they wanted the transitions to be stylized and psychedelic so they like become a cross that goes to the cross of the church mm -hmm. and then they're in the alleyway again. And <laughs> there was uh, the one where it's literally just Mal Bolger going, ho, 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 and then fire. And it's next scene. <laughs> exactly. Like they might as well do star wipe transitions in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we get, uh, John Linguizamo eats pizza that has maggots on it. Mm -hmm. But he's grossed out about the anchovies, but he's grossed out about the anchovies. Talk about dedication to your craft. And um, wait, were those real maggots? They were what's called wax worms, but yes, oh. they oh. were live animals. 
So he took the pizza with live animals on it. He bit into it and ate it and put it down and was chewing it up. And the camera cuts from him. And apparently he went and threw up right away. Yeah. And he goes, did we get it? And they just said no because they wanted to make sure they got it. And he did it again. Oh, my God. That's so messed up. It is so messed up. They just didn't want to be like, yes, that was perfect. Because you can't say, yes, that was perfect and then be a little bit fucked up. Mm -hmm. So they made him do it twice. And apparently the bug lady who brought the bugs was like, did he just fucking eat my bugs? (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, yeah, kind of. And they were like, that is cruel. And they are like, what are you going to do with the rest of the bugs? And she's like, I'm just going to lay them out, you know, in nature. Like, apparently they just got rid of them and they were like, so they're going to get eaten by birds and shit anyway. But apparently she gave them a real hard time about eating the bugs. Eating some worms. Yes. So, um... Then they cut to a new location, which I think is where Jason Wynn's office and shit are. And they actually used a prison that was not in use Hmm. for their great big scary buildings. Because apparently a big signature of McFarlane's art is that his architecture is like not modern. It's like this weird gothic style that Mm -hmm. happens to bleed into modern culture. So they literally took panels from his comics and animated them to make them just like they didn't start from scratch they used his exact comics oh that's neat yes so like they had broad sides of buildings that were real buildings and one of the buildings they used was a prison that was not in use at the time but now it houses tons of prisoners in la Hmm. so some people are just standing in jason Wynn's office and they can't get out as hard as they try (laughs) they don't know that where they have to eat sleep and shit is where Martin Sheen spent four weeks being miserable. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So now we're going to go to the ball. So during the ball, um, they they establish the cape as its own character, essentially. Finally. Fine-a-fucking-ly. And you said you were upset about the cape use? Yeah, I remember as a a teenager, and even now, because the cape really is such a pivotal part of the Spawn look. Mm -hmm. And this movie just was like... Eh. And, yeah. but, but I know now that the reason was, as we were saying, it's a visual spectacle, but it costs so much money to animate that cape. And, like, I was, while they were talking about it, I was looking at the cape with a critical eye. It was pretty good the way that the light shines off yeah. of it. The, the cape is definitely the visual spectacle of 1997. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah, it was it was well done. And it looked cool as hell in the in the, cl- the clothes, the closing scene too, mm-hmm. when it's really waving all over. And on the cover of the box, they had like a prolific, very important costume designer make a cape for them out of cotton. And they were like, that doesn't look like Spawn's cape though. So they used a practical cape in all of the photography for the movie. Mm. So like the the posters and everything like that has an actual cape, but the rest of it is a hundred percent CGI. I get that. It, it's it's it, it's hard because you want the cape to be there all the time. But I get it. Like even even when you watch Superman movies, if you ever see the scenes before they add CGI. Like they're not wearing capes, right? The cape is all CGI almost all the time, mm-hmm. and so so I, I get it. You know, it's still frustrating. It is super frustrating. So he comes into this ball, and his cape falls down, and the holes in it are perfectly placed to fall around the patrons of this ball. And oh uh, he confronts Wynn, is like, "I'm gonna fucking kill you." And um, 
priest shows up in her leather (laughs) (laughs) and she fucking shoots him with a machine gun and stuff. And, uh, they have their little fight and he shoots her and blasts her off of balcony. What did that look like for you in the PG 13 movie? Um, they had a very brief fight where she, when she shoots him and he, you, you see him like kind of take the bullets for the first time. And he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then he goes upstairs and they're, and he whoops her and then has the gun on her and she's just like, you don't have the guts. And then he shoots her and she falls off the off the railing. They said in the PG-13 version, it was just like, shoot, shoot. And then you get like a POV of her falling yep. and dying. In the version I watched, he like goes and fucking fills her with holes. And oh, she my falls God. Down and they get like three different camera angles of her falling on this champagne table. Did yep. you get the champagne table? We did get the champagne okay, table. Okay, that's good. But, but only yeah, one shot. It was like three different directions, and the studio was just like, no, this is too violent for PG-13. And they're like, who's reading these comics who isn't into violence? Like, yeah. Who is going to see Spawn that is going to be upset by that? Exactly. So, like, apparently they were not okay with it. Yeah. So, and the, the thing that weirded me out about that scene is it looked like it was really hard for him to pull the triggers. Like, they were really tough. Because when he pulls the triggers, he, like, winces and goes, Ugh. <laughs> like, like, it's really difficult to do that. <laughs> it's like, that's so weird. They said in the PG-13 version, he's the worst shot in history. And in the R-rated version, he's actually a world-class assassin. <laughs> so, he's what he's supposed to be. Exactly. So, he kills her. And that was the point they established that they was they were like, okay, so now like the grips of hell are going to come out and grab okay, her yeah. and make her whatever. And that doesn't end up happening. So um, then they continue to go. Oh, and they said that uh, she's 100% inspired by anime. Ghost in the Shell meets Eon Flux is what they said for her aesthetic. I can see that. Very think, Eon yeah. Flux for mm-hmm. sure. Um. Then they said she was going to be a she-spawn and go to hell. They realized they didn't have the money for it. So they went, okay, we're going mechanical. We're going to science resurrect her. So when they put her in a body bag later, there's all this, like, uh, like cold smoke that yeah. comes around her. It's because they were putting her on ice to make her into this, like, frozen character. And they didn't have the money to do that either. I never. It just kind of happens, and I don't. I didn't even think about it any further. But well, yeah, now like that you say that, there's all this like steam that comes up and like engulfs her, and yeah. it's like there's it's a body bag, people. I like, what the fuck is going on here? Didn't even cross my mind that that was something really <laughs> unnecessary for a dead body. Didn't even consider it. Yeah, and like the next shot, you show the clown with like two hookers on his arms. Yep. And Martin Sheen there, and there's like so much of the icy hot fucking steam coming off her that it like impedes the shot (laughs) they're just like yeah it's gonna be important later nope not at all (laughs) not at all and then the cops like start shooting at spawn and he does the the actual cool effect where his cape blends him into the wall that was cool that was actually pretty cool and uh i dare say it was the spectacle of 1997 (laughs) It, it may have been if that wasn't it then spawn suction cup hands definitely was exactly and then they said they put the clown was talking to, to Charlie Sheen or whatever, Martin Sheen rather. And they like, he was talking to them and he called him a syphilitic Balzac. People <laughs> assume he says Balzac, but that is not the case. They said it's a literary reference and they said, no one's going to understand it. And they moved on. And I was like, well, I want to understand it. So I looked it up. Uh, Henri de Balzac was a French novelist in the 1700s who brought paranormal, 
aspects into his writing of novels and plays. Like everything he did was super paranormal. And that was his reference, apparently. Like, this, they're all from hell or whatever, whatever. So they, he called him a syphilitic Balzac. So. I'd like to thank all of the college professors that I had for helping me know that reference. You knew the reference? I'm English degree, man. That's all I know is... I have an English degree, too, and oh. I didn't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a journalism degree, and it's uh, worthless. So, um, yeah, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> um. So then they talked about how hell itself was speaking and it didn't translate. So, and then they said they've been working on the movie from 1993 to 1997 before it was like finally done. Um, they had 40 film, $40 million as their budget. And they, the director was saying like, I had $40 million. I had the vision. Things were going well. We filmed everything. We did everything four times. <clears throat> we wanted to make sure that whatever we had, the studio would be cool with it. So we made like the most extreme, next extreme, all the way down. And um, the studio interfered. I never made a movie before this, and it made my liver hard. <laughs> and that that tells me he drank a lot. Yeah. <laughs> He was making this movie and was like, oh, my career is over. Yeah, pretty much. And... Um, so then we cut to, like, Spawn is mad. He's like, ah, why the fuck is my life like this? And uh, the clown says, evil has been there since you were soup in your mama's crotch. <laughs> and they said that was one of many lines they had to take out. Yep. But that was so good. And that's when they do the big reveal of the monster. We finally, like, I like a movie that slow builds up sure. to really seeing what, what the real antagonist is. And that's when we get to see the Violator. Mm, yes. Tell me about the Violator. I love the Violator. It's just big, gnarly demon. I love the designs for demons and stuff that Todd McFarlane has. They're these these skinny fucking hunched bodies with giant hands and skinny limbs and big jaws and big heads. And Oh, man. And that's that's the Violator. With He's basically... I don't even know how to describe what he looks like. He looks like an emaciated chihuahua that's been like giant sized <laughs> with a with a scorpion tail coming out of his neck. <laughs> basically. Yeah, he's got the like spikes on his neck like horizontally and vertically. Yeah. And his jaw can like extend and shit and his eyes are the biggest attribute of mm -hmm. his face. And the bodies are so thin and giant and like and hunched. Gangly. And, yeah, gangly. Yep. Yes, he's he's a lanky monster. I have the uh, – it's a three-comic run of the backstory of the Violator. Mm. And apparently Violator is, like, just a type of species of demon. Oh. So the guy who is the clown, he got into gambling debt, and the mafia killed him. And instead of his soul just going straight to hell, the Violators grabbed him. There are, like, three – like, a tribunal of Violators, and they were like, we think you'd be a good fit. <laughs> so why don't you give it a shot you go ahead and, and we're gonna give you these superpowers go back get your revenge and if you survive you can be a violator and uh, essentially he does that and then when he kills the mafia boss then it triggers some kind of chain reaction where like the world's greatest assassin comes after him huh. and i think he's a character from another image comic of okay like, and uh so basically the first one is him getting his revenge and then the next two are him like trying not to die as this guy's trying to cut his head off which mm. is the only way to kill a demon apparently 
So yeah, that's the the clown's backstory is that he was in gambling debt and they like literally killed him. He like goes up behind somebody's head and shoots him so many times his hand comes through his head like out of his mouth Damn. and continues to shoot people and he yanks the dude's head off. So for like an entire comic, he has a dude's head as like a bracer on his forearm. <laughs> it's so gory and gnarly. Oh, I fucking wow. love it. It's so good. Todd McFarlane's a twisted fuck. Oh yes. Um, so we'll, we'll just kind of like breeze along here. Um, so like they, uh, they have a little fight. It's pretty dope. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Actually, uh, can I throw something out? Of course. What I liked about the violator and the way that they did it was that it is a mix of CGI and practical effects. Yes. But the the problem is you can tell when it's one or the other. (laughs) (laughs) The transformation from clown to violator took them eight months to animate. (laughs) Eight months. That's almost a year <laughs> that they spent on five seconds of footage. It's so short. Five seconds. So, but it is pretty cool. Like watching the transformation is not the worst animation I've ever seen. No. But like at the same eight months. So, yeah. it's amazing how far we've come with CGI. It's amazing how far we've come. Because there's like a point where he's the violator, but he still has the clown's face, and he like shakes it out, and like his jaw elongates and shit. So good, yeah, man. If if anything, even though this movie is shit, you gotta you gotta give credit and a salute to them for being at the forefront of trying to CGI the shit out of things. Yeah, you know for what real. I mean. I mean, it was the visual spectacle of nineteen ninety seven. Because you know you figure that's just the norm now with mm-hmm. with Marvel and DC and stuff. Everything is CGI. They were doing it before it was cool and exactly. before it was good. Exactly, and like they said, like. Who would trust two, like three or four people who have never had any experience to create a visual action movie? Mm-hmm. Like that's insane that they tr- that New Line tr- like uh, did that. Fucking uh, who is in charge of New Line? The guy uh, Weinstein. Weinstein? Yeah. yeah, that guy gave them forty million dollars and was like, "You got it." You'd be fine. Yeah, you can go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you'd be fine. I'm going to go bang all these starlets. Yeah, I like, got a hotel meeting in about 10 minutes. Jesus. I'm going to come on this plant. Apparently, that was his thing, is when he was about to come, he'd come on a plant. That's, Gross. What a fucking awful human being. He was the worst. Um. Anyway, so uh, the fight ends with the Violator crucifies Spawn, another thing that they didn't put in the PG-13 movie. They like made it close-up shots instead of the faraway shot that he had been crucified. For saying no to the devil, essentially. Mm -hmm. Instilling that Spawn is the Jesus of this universe. Right. And um, uh, then they they really introduced Calistro. Calistro? Cagliostro. Cagliostro. The actor who played him, I have a little bit on him before we go too far into who he is. The actor knew who Cagliostro was. He was a Shakespearean actor on Broadway. He was a musician, and he's a boozer. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently, like the everyone would go drinking at the end of shots with him, and uh, he would like headbutt people. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? And that was the last thing I wrote in my notes. But yeah, he uh, so he essentially trained Spawn to be a badass. Yeah, I would also like to point out that this was his last film. Really? Yeah. There, there was an uh, apt pupil was the next thing on his imdb but it, i don't know if it was like a remake of the ian mckellen or if he just got That's fired from it but uh there it just says abandoned oh <laughs> no they cut him out yeah <laughs> that's a really good movie i want to watch that. that's a again. great movie it's yeah. a really good movie fucking magneto out here being a nazi um 
Yeah, so he, like, there's a training montage, right, where he's like, use the force, Luke. Basically, yeah. yeah. You can turn your arm into a sword or something. Or no, he turns his arm into a sword. Yeah, he's just like, think real hard. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it's the crux of it. So from there, he's like, all right, I'm ready to take on the clown again. Does anything really improve? Like he, uh, Martin Sheen gets a surgery to put a bomb in his heart. Right. And he's getting double-crossed by Violator because Violator wants him to die because they want the, because the world the, to explode. Yeah, because the, the thing in his heart makes all those chemicals get released that they actually stole from North Korea. And, and so there's the double-cross of that. And then we have the... The the only climax of an action movie that takes place in the living room of a suburban home. Right. There's a chase scene. Spawn's riding oh, a yeah. motorcycle, and he's chasing after the clown who's driving a truck full of toxic waste. That's right. And he has a fucking war machine from Call of Duty that throws grenades. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where Nicotero came in. He came. He made like a a, a fucking cocoon of motorcycle for Spawn to shield himself. Yeah. The the, the cape turns into a cocoon i feel like that's probably one of the more expensive scenes in the movie how do you feel about the chase scene uh it was fun it was fun that's all i got <laughs> it was fun screen goo on him whatever yeah whatever. you know and then we end up in the living room where uh he licks wanda's face and it's real weird but she doesn't seem all this is an all I'm, I'm just go on i feel bad saying this because you know she makes a living as an actress but bad. she was just cardboard yes Teresa Randall. Tyra Banks, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> she, she, most of the scenes she was in, other than the time when she is pretending to be John, like when she is acting, like when the violator takes her form, mm -hmm. that's the only time in the whole movie where she shows any emotion. Exactly. Everywhere else is just a blank slate. Yeah. She, uh, this movie isn't known for strong female characters. No. I noticed. Uh, and especially since they were like, we have all these females. Let's just make them one female. <laughs> Let's just make them. <laughs> it's just so stupid. It's the worst. Oh, my. So, anyway. Then we have our fight where uh, Spawn and the Violator fight in his old home. He... Uh, the one Caglioso or whatever comes and helps, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's swords, there's stabbing, there's decapitations. Yeah, they wind up in hell for most of the fight, and mm -hmm. it looks it looks real like PlayStation One video game. Yes, like we said, like the 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 crowd from a WWE game. Let's <laughs> <laughs> make six crowd members and just put just them all throughout. Copy them over and over. Copy paste. Copy paste. Copy paste. And uh, he's just uh, basically Spawn goes, fuck you. I'm not leading your army. And the devil's like, all right, well, I'll come get you. And uh, what else happens after that? Spawn's just like, it was nice knowing you. Bye now. I'm going to yeah. go live in the alley. And the two of them just, yeah, they some, I can't even remember how they did it. But kind of Iron Man out of the fire tubes. And yep. now Bulger's all like, damn it. <laughs> I'll get you next time, Gadget. Yeah. <laughs> And they they fly through the tubes, and then uh, you know uh, the the filter song plays. That's the end of the movie. Well, wait, the the violator doesn't the violator? Yeah, violator comes back again out of the fire when they get out of hell. Oh, that's and right. That's when he finally uses his full powers. He uses a chain and cuts, cuts his head, his head off. off. Yeah, and the the clown like uses his tongue to like slide back into the fire. Yeah, and kind of turns into goo. And yep, yep. And uh, and spawns just like. You do good. Keep fucking my wife and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you, you keep fucking my wife. Essentially, yeah. So, um, that's Spawn, my dude. Mm-hmm. Can't you trip like I do? <laughs> Uh, other than knowing the fact that it was the visual spectacle of 1997. Which it clearly was. Which it clearly was. What do you think? Should I keep this disc or should I dump it? The PG-13's available on Netflix. Mm. Okay. We got two different versions here and I got the director's cut. Yeah. It sounds like your version was marginally better. Uh, I mean, I, the I, margin's pretty small. It, it is. <laughs> it is very small. What I would Okay, so... There's a caveat to this. There's part of me that says, just dump this. Just dump it. It's not worth having. But there, but the, the thing is, I know your story with it now. Mm-hmm. And so it does have like a, a bit of a sentimental thing. So I would say keep it. You're on the keep it I side. would say, yeah. I would say keep it. It definitely was my introduction to the character. I have quite a bit of Spawn content at this point. Mm-hmm. For instance... I am currently holding Spawn versus Batman, my two favorite comic book characters, and created a, by McFarlane. Yeah, and it's a play on the uh, Frank Miller um, Dark Knight Returns cover. Exactly. And uh, Frank Miller co-wrote it. There we go. So it's Frank Miller, Todd McFarlane. Fucking love it. And the one who wins is Batman, because they put it up to a vote. And uh, that was a weird call. But they both really fucked each other up. And then the two clowns teamed up. It was a whole thing. Of course. Of course. And uh, this is my time to tell the audience that my dad went on Todd McFarlane's Kickstarter and bought me three super limited edition Todd McFarlane number one comics because for the first time he started over. Like, this is the first time he shook the Etch-A-Sketch and changed it up and started over with Spawn. And they came with three different versions of action figures. So, my dad bought all of them for me. They are pretty badass looking. They're pretty fucking cool, but, like, yeah. So, I have a lot of Spawn stuff. I have the first, like, volume of Spawn. I, uh, my brother gave me a few random floppies. I'm into Spawn. I enjoy it. I got it on Blu-ray. And the fact that if Netflix had the director's cut... This bitch would have been dumb. Oh, that's that would have that's that would have done it. But the fact that the director's cut is not easily available, I'm gonna keep this disc. And I know a lot of people are gonna be like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Why would you do that?" But here we are. I decided I'm gonna keep this disc. There's more. I mean, there's just there's more to it for you than yeah. just being a crappy movie that you own. Exactly. So, yeah, crappy movie it is. I will not deny that. <laughs> crappy movie it is. <laughs> But it's, uh, there are worse movies, slightly. A couple, like Lamageddon. Lamageddon's not a better movie. I really want to see that. I think it's because of you that I want to see that. Yeah, I, uh, I, we did an episode of High on Horror on it, and my co-hosts were very upset with me. <laughs> 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 the whole episode's me being like, it was great, right? And they're just, no, it was not. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, essentially. So um, I was just on an episode of your show which I'm very excited about. Why don't you tell them about the comics that we love? I would love to. So I am the host of the comics that we love. And uh, the idea of the show is that I wanted to put more positive energy out into the nerd ether in the, in the comic book world, because there's just so much negativity. It's real easy to do. (laughs) It's it's real easy to take a comic book and just be like, I don't like the art. And that means it's shit. Or, you know, like, right. 
everything is subjective and in comics it gets real nasty and i wanted to be a positive gateway for new fans of comics and old fans of comics to come and just celebrate make that. love make love and so each episode i have a different guest and they usually bring a book to me i say what's a what what is a comic that made you love comics or solidified your love of the medium and then we read it and uh, it's part info dump where I tell you all about the author and the artist and when the book came out and so on and so forth. And then also a freeform discussion of the story and the symbolism and the art and such and so forth. And each episode is a different book. I'm also about to start the second season. It'll probably be already started by the time this comes out. But season two is happening. I'm also going to have some comic book creators on the show. And we're going to talk about their work and just freeform talk about comics. And Who'd yeah. you land? Um, well, I, I already had Mr. Jason Inman on the show. He's a co-host of the podcast, The Geek History Lesson. He's also he's worked for DC. He creates his own comics. It's very successful di- uh, Kickstarters for his comics. They're really cool. Super Best Friend is one that he just kickstarted, and then he killed it. Um, yeah. Also, Ashley Victoria Robinson is coming on the show. Uh, she's got a new book. It's a Canadian superhero named Aurora and the Eagle is the name of the book. Cool. And she's also Geek History Lesson co-host. Um, and then I also have another, a couple more that are kind of in the pipeline. Hell yeah. yeah. Very cool, man. And then we just did an episode on Robin War, which was yeah. a real experience. And I'm like seldom do i get to read a comic and be like did you guys read this and most people are like no <laughs> so it was really cool to be able to actually talk about comics so yeah like i really enjoy your show i listened to the episode about uh not the watchman or the boys but it was similar to those two i forget exactly what it was are we uh I'm trying to think of it was like superheroes. The one guy killed the president was like oh the oh Black now. Summer yeah Black Warren Summer. Ellis it was yeah. very good. I really enjoyed it. I like that you give not only information about the comic but you also talk about the artists and the writers and just you really like give a full scope of what went into the comic. And I don't think every comic book podcast does that. So you do your research. You fucking kill it. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on it. And thank you for coming on mine, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a ton of fun doing this uh, mini pod marathon with you today. Yeah, we still got one more to go. We do, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I'm going to do my plugs real quick. Think about something you'd like to recommend to the audience. It doesn't have to be media. It could be like hug a friend. Like you can literally recommend anything. Okay. So I'll do my reads real quick. All right. If you want to get a hold of me, you want to email me, talk to me, whatever, you can email me, discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget that PP in there. It's important. <laughs> On uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, if you type in the disc dump with a C, you'll find me. It's in, like, don't put K. Like, some of my most fine supporters write disc with a K, and no one can find me. And I'm like, did you really pay attention, fuckers? But <laughs> they did. So I appreciate every one of you. Thank you all for listening. Zach, what would you like to recommend to the audience? I would like to recommend a series that is freshly on Netflix starring Will Arnett called Murderville. I heard it's really good. Oh, my God. It's so fucking funny. It, and the whole premise is that Will Arnett plays like a grizzled detective 
very much a trope of like 90s movies where doesn't get along with the police chief and the police chief's always like you got a new partner and and (laughs) and the catch is that each episode he gets a new partner and that new partner is some celebrity who is just playing themselves and are brought into this detective murder story with no script and they're and they're forced to just go in and do improv and go with the flow of what's happening. And of course, Will Arnett forces them to do ridiculous things. And <laughs> and it gets so, the first episode was Conan O'Brien and I was sold on that one. It was funny, but the second episode was football running back Marshawn Lynch. And that shit killed me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was so funny. It, I'm telling you this show and, and, the, and the whole crux is it's got kind of a game show element too, because as they're trying to solve this crime, the, the guest really has to be paying attention to all of the possible suspects because at the end of the episode, they, they have, have to say who crime. did it. <laughs> yeah, and they find out whether they were right or not. Hell yeah. It's so much fun. Murderville on Netflix. Murderville, hell yeah. <laughs> right on, audience. So check out Murderville. Watch Spawn if you, you know, are drunk or you're drinking <laughs> cotton candy soda. But don't do it on Netflix. Get the get the Blu-ray. <laughs> get yourself the Blu-ray. Fight off an old lady for it. Whatever it takes. You, it might be in an Ollie's $5, $5 it, bin. It might be in an Ollie's $5 bin. I'm pretty sure I got it from Suncoast Video before they died. Oh, I don't remember. School. Yeah, so uh, audience, check out Spawn if you hate yourself. And uh, <laughs> check out that show, uh, Murderville, if you like yourself. Until next week, toodaloo.